You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Uh, good to have you back. I'm Chloe. I'm Ryan, and this is the Watch Long Critical Commentary Podcast of uh, Riverdale, the show filmed on the unseated uh, Slaywatooth, Musqueam, and Squamish nations. And we are recording on the same. Uh, this is our last episode of this season, surprisingly, suddenly in pandemic land. Welcome. Welcome. Um, this is a strange episode to be ending the season on. Isn't it? Um, and we're not quite sure what to make of it, but we're all in this together, as everyone keeps saying about COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dark humor. Um, if any of you uh, live where Ryan and I live, you will know that the province is thinking about slowly reopening Thanks. and reevaluating social distancing rules. I'm still really confused by them. I don't understand if I'm allowed to hug my mom on Mother's Day or not. My mom seems to think I am. I don't think I am, and I'm confused. It's all over the place, Chloe, including a great deal of citizen discretion that is probably not going to help us with that confusion. But anyway, it definitely indicates something's going okay. So I'm going to continue living in um, in media and fiction indefinitely and <laughs> wait for a touch more clarity in the world. But I'm definitely going to go hug more of my friends' pets. Yeah, pets seem safe. Well, I mean, pets can get COVID. Dogs and cats have now tested positive for this disease. No, the, the, I thought the dogs hadn't, but the cats had. It was a recent development. Maybe it's been oh, debunked. God. Who knows? Tigers, apparently. But that's just been a running theme. Anyway, Riverdale is <laughs> anyway, some kind Riverdale. of fresh trash. Um... What's your what's your media consumption look like right now, Chloe? What like we've had a trickle of Riverdale. We're not in season yeah. sweeps building up as we expected to be right about now. What are you binging to balm the void? Oh, so I re-binged all of Riverdale when this first got started, and it took me way longer than I was expecting because uh, I'm still working full work days from home, essentially, and also right. existential dread. So those were um, deterrents to actually getting any serious Netflix watching done. Um, I have not been binging anything at the moment. I have been slowly enjoying The Mandalorian, which I have not actually seen yet. Oh. Yeah. So I am partway through... Um, <clears throat> uh, I will say this in code for anyone else who <laughs> maybe, maybe like me, lives under a rock and hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm partway through the episode where they go to the village. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Okay, good. I've, yeah. I've so seen it all, anything. loved it all, and like, well, yep. Maybe we'll. Um, Why is there no Mandalorian podcast on Thunderquack? It's a great question. I will do that with you, Ryan. No problem. I don't have time for that, even in a pandemic. Chloe, let's watch for pleasure. What else are you watching for pleasure? <laughs> um, I I watched a few films. I'd never seen uh, the Meryl Streep Mamma Mia, and a friend watched it for a birthday. Netflix partied it for a birthday. And so that uh, was a charming romp. Here, Truly a charming romp. Here I go again. Um, and I had never seen... Uh, the second Bon Cup Bad Cop movie. 
Mm. which is also a serious delight. It is dark, weird <laughs> Canadian humor at its best. Um, and I thought there was nothing left to like about Canada. It's just Bonk Up, Bad Cop, as it turns out. Bonk Up, Bad Cop, and Dr. Bonnie Henry. That's all that's left. No, um, no I'm kidding. Um, and I watched a very, very heavy, very good movie that Lily Reinhardt is actually in for a short scene hmm. called Galveston. Um, this is not hmm. a movie you should watch if you are not in a headspace to be upset. Cool, 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 um, cool, cool, cool. It cool, is cool. it is a sad, sad movie. It's the I don't know if it's the directorial debut or not, but it's directed by Melanie Me, Melanie Laurent, who played mm-hmm. Shoshana in Inglorious Bastards. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah, and it has the two leads are Ben Foster, who people will know from Leave No Trace and Six Feet Under, mm-hmm. and um, he played Burroughs in Kill Your Darlings. He's in he's in a lot of movies. He's great. He, there's honestly nothing the guy can't do. Mm. And then Elle Fanning, who I had never seen perform before, and she was great. I don't know if she was well cast or if she's consistently great or what, mm-hmm. um, but she was so wonderful. And then there's a flash forward in time where Lily Reinhardt plays her grown-up daughter. Huh. And um, it's uh, it's a very sad movie. Hmm. Bo Bridges is in, also in it for a sec. But it's great if you really want a good cry, if you really want to feel some deep feelings about... Uh, Something crime not people here. Do for, yeah, <laughs> or crime people do for survival. Hmm. Uh I recommend it. It's a beautifully shot movie. But I honestly haven't really been watching a lot of television. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I watched the Downton Abbey movie finally yesterday. How did you feel about that? Oh, closure and peace and catharsis in white privilege land. It was a beautiful, (laughs) satisfying, safe place with no intersectionality whatsoever, except (laughs) the happy, privileged gay who floats above the horrifying discrimination and gets his happy ending because of privilege specifically because of privilege yes absolutely explicit royal privilege (laughs) yes um is in his in his specific way very very privileged but i remember you wanted a good outcome for that character and i was really excited for you to see that movie yes give the gays lovers and friends yeah get more give the gays lovers but more importantly give the gays gay friends yeah I mean, give them both, by all means. Oh, this cat is about to leap right into where I'm recording. It's great. Welcome, Pinch. Just warning you, Riverdale gang. Join us and meow, Pinch. (laughs) Um, Uh, So you saw the Downton Abbey movie. Yes, that was definitely my vibe. Um, I have binged through another podcast recently called The Magnus Archives. Uh, It is a uh, short mm, uh, standalone with meta story um, serial, uh, spooky horror mystery podcast. <laughs> so these nice little bite-sized spooky stories, maybe 20, 25 minutes. Uh, and there's a meta, there's a meta story of the, per- the people reading it, the context of an archives where these stories are held. Um, but it can be taken quite simply as drop in, here's a horrifying story, creepypasta style, and then consume and go. And uh, it's been I, there's 161 episodes. I listen to most of them while on long creepy alleyway walks at twilight. I I'm not that's oh, that's cool. how I'm uh, embracing the tension of reality right now. Like 
let's uh, let's pr- chase the eldritch, I guess. So I've I've been adoring <laughs> that. Uh, just like digestible horror, digestible visceral horror. Lots of bu- lots of bugs in the first season. Ugh. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's my media. And I've just started on Hollywood, which is the new Ryan Murphy show, and I'm super trepidatious, but it's Ryan Murphy cheesecake and super gay, but maybe super problematic as Ryan... We'll see. I'm going to give it an episode, but I stopped <laughs> in the middle of that episode to podcast about Riverdale. <sighs> Matched Amex directorial. I don't think it's her debut, but it's she directed this episode. Alice Cooper yeah, is in charge. Yeah, it certainly heard. It's certainly her debut in terms of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I this episode is so strange. I don't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying to Ryan that it feels less like something that moves the show forward as it does, as it is meant to be an episode that is supposed to tell us something about the themes of the show. Mm. A, a little, yeah, this is a meta-story episode in a lot of ways. That's how it feels to me. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Ryan. I've just realized mm-hmm. that, oh no, everything seems fine. I thought I had the recording device in a place where it would pick up the whirring of my computer <laughs> fan, but uh, I had not, and we're fine. <laughs> yes, if the first seven minutes of this have a faint background noise that have just let up, shh. Uh, <laughs> Riverdale. Also cats meowing. I Anyway, Riverdale. Yeah, I, how did you I feel? I agree with that assessment, uh, generally speaking. Um, I think it's a, it's a fascinating coincidence for, for this piece to end up as the capstone of the season. Um, I think it's, hmm. I think it's not a choice that would be made by anyone in the serial television cr- production pipeline. But I think it has interesting artistic consequences. Hmm. Um, yeah, this, um, there's, there's all sorts of artistry and evolving artistry to season finales, series finales. Um, like, it's one of the most talked about techniques of a great number of famous shows in the last 10 years. How did they end it? Um, and... The series season finales are are like such an integral codified and economically codified thing in in the television industry, even coming into streaming television, that there is so much unspoken vocabulary built into what does a season finale do um, from the classical cliffhanger model. These like these nineties edge of the sea talk about it all summer models to a more fandom engaged um <laughs> mystery hook question summer question model um a lot of shows have taken the approach of let's end as if the series might not be renewed because they might not be renewed um yeah but all of those planned season finales um they have intention and this accidental season finale uh whatever they were able to do with editing and and post um has very different bones than anything I would choose to... I, I would have expected chosen for one. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a whole season this year. I I feel like I want to go back to the, the shortened writer Strike season and see if, if there are any sudden, um, sudden season finales that um, I can draw parallels to. 
Um, I like what it challenges the show to do, storytelling-wise, ending on this note. Like, how do you take, how do you pick up from here next season? There's, mm, mm-hmm, we, we've mm-hmm. had, we've had, um, I think Riverdale has generally dangled us the, uh, a looming flash forward to some eminent new premise, uh, to bridge the end of the season to the next season. There's, um, you know, they lay, they lay the groundwork of the next mystery hook. Generally, oh, in, in the, the past, last, in, in the past three seasons. At, right at the end, you mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a great point. Um, I, uh, I don't, I don't know how, I mean, this wasn't, how long did they know this was going to be the season finale is is my question mm-hmm. and how how did the editing of this episode change mm-hmm. once they knew is are questions i would love to be able to ask someone yeah fascinating variables of how much was adjusted um taking a, a really rough guess from the pipeline and the timeline of bc um Filming was shut down due to a possible um, exposure of a crew member uh, during near the end of its last episode. So we know that hmm. whether uh, we don't, I don't actually know whether that was this episode or the next episode that was shut down th- during whether they had enough to finish it or whatnot. Um, but mm. May May fifteenth was the shutdown. Um, and so they've had from... May 15th? That doesn't sound right. Sorry, March 15th. Yeah. I believe was general BC shutdown of most filming. And, uh, so they've had about six weeks, which is a reasonable and normal post-production time. But they've essentially had the entire post-period of this episode to do whatever they wanted to adjust. Um, like, I don't think... I don't know if there's necessarily any changes so much as it's it's a custom-built pandemic episode in some ways because they had pre-shutdown script and filming, but the entire post-pipeline likely happened uh, with awareness that this would be the, the end of the season. Mm, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say pipeline, what do you mean? Um, the production pipeline. So, um... Oh, okay. The, we have so many convers- yeah, yeah. political conversations about pipelines. <laughs> I was like, why does this have to do with the oil and gas industry? I mean, lots, but not in this way. Fair, fair, um, fair. Good point. Yeah, uh, filmy jargon. Uh, like, the production pipeline from scripts... Got it. The steps, the, the, the various train stations along the way from writing to filming to editing to releasing. And all of the steps right. in between are, uh... Yeah, the the through line. Got it. Um, yeah, I it was. It, I guess this this is an interesting show in some ways because for so many high school students right now, the question of prom is a pretty burning <laughs> question. It was funny. Like I watched I watched the Riverdale episode this morning, and then I watched the premiere's mm-hmm. announcement. Um, mm. uh, and I because I hadn't watched it yesterday, mm-hmm. and. Um, he specifically addresses prom and says prom is not happening this year. You're going to have to wait. I'm sorry. You mm-hmm. know, 
um, I feel sad that those things haven't happened for you kind of a thing. And I was like, huh, I just saw a whole episode about this <laughs> premiere. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I need to see this episode again. I, I struggled to take it in the first time because I was distracted by um, what a different standalone type episode it is compared to the other standalone episodes we've had. Yeah, I understand. Just just like wrapping our head around what is this episode trying to do took enough enough bandwidth that I didn't analyze quite as deeply as I might otherwise. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to revisit. I'm also excited to, um, especially to revisit the moral twist near the end to see how it lands on second viewing because I'm interested, I'm biting, but I'm still conflicted. Yeah. Yes, I appreciate, I appreciate mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. Cool. Should we jump in then? Let's jump in. All right. Uh, so loading Great. up Netflix here in Canada or DVRs or recordings or whatever y'all do, gang. Uh, but sinking off the Netflix Badoom, here we go. Play Badoom. Wow, wow, we are perfectly in sync, Ryan. That's yes. really exciting. So in sync. <laughs> okay. Um, so yes, we the meta story. The meta story is all over this. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I've got to turn my volume down so I can hear myself, let alone you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was almost surprised how much of the meta story was this episode. Oh, the, yeah. I mm. mean, fair enough. Why was that surprising to you? I don't know, actually. I don't know. It makes perfect sense based on the episode we came out of recently. It makes perfect sense yeah. based on where this was in the writing structure. Um, I think I'm just so accepting... This... I'm expecting everything to be absurd as surrealism at the moment, including my television. So, and pulls a Gus Van Zandt. God, that's a great movie. The movie about the school shooting that Gus Van Zandt did. Um, so... Uh, I guess what I'm confused... Actually, I'm confused about a lot, because why did Mr. Honey shoot the thing of the school then? Was that just to keep canceling prom? That... Which makes me wonder, does is he, does he have some sort of privileged information mm-hmm. about something that's going to happen on prom night that he was trying to save all the students from? Right. And this weird little nugget we get later on, that, that he has a pattern of serially canceling prom. Yeah. There's 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 a bunch of weird pieces that don't connect yet. Um and again that I think that's just a function of where we are in the mystery and the intended season. Um but we need those nuggets here. Where else would you put them in the storytelling even if they picked it up next season? Um there is a there is a beat of finality at least in in character arc here that at least we're picking up with um I don't know. I'm rambling. Nah. I'm guessing. It's all no, guesswork I mean, yeah. and made up at this point. There is no script for how the heck did they do this? What were they trying to do? I don't even know. It doesn't follow any of the rules. 
Yeah. Um, so, uh, side note from someone who has a BFA in creative writing, the University of Iowa has an excellent creative writing program. Oh. My understanding is that the grad school is what causes all the hype and not the BFA, but I could mm. be wrong about that. And um, this, this I, I, like, weirdly makes sense for the character, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I could see, oh. I could see Jughead really leaning into Ohio life, middle America... It's all over his writing style. Mm-hmm. Contemporary American lit. I liked the high schooliness of this scene. I had a little trouble switching gears from last week's episode into the mm-hmm. the calm teen friendships here. Um, the little underscore under all these cute Jughead Archie bro interactions of, but you're trying to seduce his girlfriend? But... <laughs> yeah yeah the total denial of all the betty archie stuff mm-hmm. from last week and the week before is a little weird it it carries quite a baggage with it that mm-hmm. that episode that this i think this would be a refreshing breather maybe if it was a, if it was this isolated one-off before leaning into the meta plot i reading some some strong intention into that uh this is cute (laughs) jughead and archie are the only two not banned from prom and it's ridiculous yeah and they have a cute little exchange there which now that i've seen a couple of interviews with the cast not that i know these people i don't mean Mm -hmm. to be weird Mm -hmm. it felt like a it felt like a moment that didn't require a lot of acting yeah (laughs) a little exchange like, I, I, something I, I think we can glean from a lot of um, interviews is what what's the chemistry and dynamic like between these performers uh, yeah. when they're when they're generally playing, playing professional. Um, we can't glean what their personal relationship is, is like, but we can definitely make some fair assessments about their professional chemistry uh, using yeah. those more candid conversations as as evidence. And um yeah, that that chemistry between an ensemble cast is so critical, even in promotions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, what is the point of this? The murder plot is. Are we, yeah, are we are we getting told something about these characters that? Hmm. Like it, like I guess, are we getting told something? Ab- okay, so if we aren't, if we hadn't been with Betty all the time in this show, <laughs> I would, I would be curious to know if the person submitting all the videos is Betty. Hmm. I feel like that's one of those like she actually did crack kind of plot twist that some television shows would choose. Right, Maple Board and Mumsy. Oh, these are all yeah. things they literally did. Yeah. I I love the self-awareness of this episode, that how much everyone's hidden bodies. Um, and all of that meta yeah. commentary was spectacular. Of the that, was ridic- fun. that maple boarding is in their skill set, even when they're when they're coming up with this obnoxious, ridiculous hyper fantasy revenge plot. Um sorry, stepping back to your your Betty twist theory. Um I agree, Betty comes off as unsettling in this episode. Yeah, um, totally. Like, e- even her cathartic anger is real over the top. Um, can can you imagine as a college admissions 
anything, college admissions anything, reading a long, meticulous revenge plot of a bunch of high schoolers murdering their principal, like a cryptid manifesto revenge story, that doesn't feel like a solid... Like, that... That seems like a we should have a talk with a counselor conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so rewatching this episode, knowing that Mr. Honey has done all these wonderful things for the school, mm-hmm. remind a little of my own principal in high school, actually, for the first mm. four years anyway, who was a hard ass, um, but also uplifted a lot of the students. Mm. Um I don't know. It's just I don't know. This episode is so strange. I I think it's it's an interesting um, character note, and it's um I think it's a good um a good way to invert and challenge the the tight perspective we've had on these absurd, ridiculous teenagers and their lives and experiences um, by shedding a little light on the world bigger being bigger than them, in, even in Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Um, in contrast to their own ridiculous hijinks, like this cannot be the first murder on everyone's conscience. This hypothetical murder, <laughs> like re- remember Tallboy? Do we remember Tallboy? Does anyone remember when Fangs and Sweet Pea just accidentally murdered Tallboy? And we just don't talk about it. Yeah, where are his glasses? What is it going to mean? We'll find out later. Yeah, yeah. Subtle juggy. Subtle foreshadowing. I just... Mm -hmm. So what does it mean? I don't understand why we're doing this. Yeah, I think I'm a little... I think I'm a little Mm. less on board. Mm. This time around. I'm... Yeah, but the way he lingers on Miss Cooper, like, I feel like we're being directed to Betty, a reveal about Betty. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what this whole episode feels like to me, is that we're being directed to a reveal about a character. That we, we get a reveal about a character, but it's so tonally different from the rest of the episode. I don't know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. That, like, we're, we're still, I, I think we're still in a reasonable place of misdirection. As far as yeah. the meta plots, like this, do- this doesn't feel like wrapping up, and that's something we yeah. we I think in- inherently expect from this episode. Even though there's yeah. no reason to expect that, just its placement sets that expectation for us. That there'll be yeah. a bringing together, coming together, but it was supposed to be what twenty two episodes. Three episodes missing. Yeah. That's a that's a dead jughead's worth of an arc. That's a that's a <laughs> that's a jughead death fake out length. That's true. You're right. As far as twists go. Meechanamic, directed by Fabulous. Um, but I really wonder how they're how they're going to choose to pick up this this energy and thread next season. Um does Jughead ever take his shoes off? 
Uh, He's got his shoes on his girlfriend's cushions. I'm just saying. I guess they're part of his costume. Because <laughs> those boots make the man. Boots maketh the man. Um, I love that Cheryl is just sitting here. Casually. Like her job is to watch him. And she's like, great, I'll wear my heels and read a magazine. <laughs> by candlelight. Fabulous. Student body president. Minds the kidnapped principal indefinitely. It's one of the more important duties of being student body president, of course. I also, um, I, I feel like this episode portrays Cheryl across the board as having a less steely will than Cheryl deserves, given the life Cheryl has lived. I feel like she is not at any point going to be the one cracking here. <laughs> yeah it was interesting to see her oh but that's in the that's yeah. in the fictional plot where yeah. she gets hysterical for Jughead to write that version of Cheryl amused me um that dissonance uh <laughs> yeah um cause Cheryl would not be the one to crack if Cheryl cracks she's going to splinter off taking a side gang with her and building her own murder mystery you're not wrong. That has been the precedent sent by Cheryl in this show. Mm-hmm. Or the precedent set for Cheryl's character. Um, is this... This is fictional. This part's fictional. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is... Yep. This is made up within the world within the world. Um, so I'm noticing going back through this again, even knowing, hey, Mr. Honey's a good guy, I feel no increase of empathy for him through this episode. Right, but this this section is all fictional. Like, the awful thing he says to Reggie is fictional. Him kind of poking Cheryl here is fictional. Yes, but even with, even with the real parts, I don't... I don't understand him well enough. In that he... Yeah. He, from the kid's perspective, still seems to be, be behaving in extremely petty ways. Like, the, de- um, you know, the detail with Betty on your book... That was really bad management to some yeah. degree. Like there was there was no attempt at support. There was after the fact like and I, I can appreciate that deadlines are a real world thing. But high schoolers dealing with grief, trauma, and murder can use a little a little bit more help. Than saying, yeah. I'm sorry, it was due two days ago. And clearly Betty knows she can call the printer. But just like... The circumstances of his choices often seem petty. Even if some of his... A lot of his initiatives seem rational. Ms. Burble. Um, the, the coach for the Vixens was a rational choice. Um... I still don't understand what the hack happened between him and Reddy, Reggie, exactly. But that felt weird boundary wise. Like oh, I th- well, that was that was the that was the toilet papering the office, and then he toilet papered Reggie's car, which is really not appropriate. But mm-hmm. um, for him to do to Reggie, mm-hmm. um, but I um. <clears throat> The thing that interests me is that little moment at the end of last episode with Mr. Honey at the video store. Like, mm-hmm, evidently, he mm-hmm. has some, like, connection to 
the films, but it's not really clear what yet. That, that. Um, like, I wonder if this moral redemption isn't its own misdirect as far as the season mystery. This, this little beat of Mr. Honey's not that bad. It may be true, and there are foundations for it, but something still feels off to me in his overall presentation throughout the season. Um, he doesn't feel like an anti-hero. He doesn't feel like an anti-villain. He, he feels like a villain in most of the lenses he's cast. Or like a Snape. Uh, he might be doing the right... An anti-villain uh, might be doing the right thing, but he seems frequently kind of petty about doing it. Yeah. So the only thing that's really happened is Betty doesn't do the yearbook. Mm -hmm. Reggie pranked him, and now they're all not going to prom. There is no prom. Those are the only real things that have happened in this episode. Yes. Vis-a-vis, Mr. Honey. In, in the summary, I need to maybe revisit the season because I'm... I'm curious. There could be a commentary on the bias of the the kids' own perspectives. That so much of the show is is with our characters, with our main group, uh, perspective wise. That they've been sort of letting us sit in their blind spots quite intentionally, um, while only playing these relatively small petulancies, um, as if they weren't, like all the little annoyances. I don't know if the end of, if the end moral twist here is um, is for serious is or is for misdirect yet, but yeah, rewatching the season might be the only way for me to rethink that whole arc. Yeah, well, I noticed on my on my rewatch, I love this moment from Bodies. Reggie's like, "I'm the only one who hasn't gotten rid of a dead body before." Ah, I um, like I believe Reggie as the one who cracks but only because he's the only one who hasn't gotten rid of a body before. Yeah, and I also I also feel that if I accidentally killed somebody with my friends, which I am never planning on doing, and then found out that they had all been in that similar situation before, that would that would also break me in a completely different way. Like that. no wonder poor Reggie cracks. <laughs> what terror um, would that be to realize this is this isn't everyone's first murder? <laughs> Exactly. Um, uh, I just yawned really gratuitously on this podcast. I'm so sorry. Um, on my rewatch of season four. Ha <laughs> ha um, That's not even the worst of it, Dad. Um, the, uh, on my rewatch of season four, I didn't notice how Mr. Honey is, like, spread out over the season in a way that seems like, kind of like, why is this character here? And then mm -hmm. evidently becomes more and more important as the season goes on. But the first time they meet him, mm -hmm. he sets down some rules. Right. You know, like, that's his thing. And they're already predisposed to dislike him. Right. Um, so this scene is uh, really dumb, and I love it. I mean... This is a scene that in the moment on um, first watch through, I take delight in because it's it's a posse of our favorites yeah, getting oh no, shit done. I love it. But also, I, when I say I love it, I mean that. Yeah. But flipping that for a second, thinking of how many of my friends who are teachers 
And, like, imagining any educator facing a cabal of angry, wealthy parents, one of whom is the mayor, like, flipping this perspective, oof. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, at my high school, which is a very privileged high school, many, many, if not most of the parents were very rich, Mm -hmm. um, the school did not hold a prom. We had a sober grad dinner dance in May. So the parents, every year, took it upon themselves to organize with the graduating class a private prom that was not sponsored by the school at a location. Each ticket was $125 the year that, that was in 2007, the year I graduated. And there was uh, underage drinking. Oh, yeah. Um, Before and after prom, there was no, there was no alcohol at the actual event. Mm -hmm. Um, But people, like, people treated it like it was real. Like, it was all part of, like, school activities. Yep. They got outfits, they got limos, they got alcohol. That sounds familiar. I I think I went to my cousin's prom like that. (laughs) Secret prom. Yeah, this is all totally real. We did something like that, except it just involved all the kids going down to the riverside and having a bonfire. And getting real wild drunk in the forest. Yeah, this was a Brock house. <laughs> <laughs> it was BS. I did Fabulous. not go to my own prom. It was so dumb. $125 um, and then I had to buy, like, split a limo, get my makeup done and buy a dress and then go watch the cool kids have a fun night. Like, no, I didn't go. It was so, dumb. <laughs> so for reference, gang, this is a historical vintage location mansion that primarily does high-end weddings that I have yep. in the past rented for a few nights for many thousands of dollars for immersive theater events. <laughs> that, and like, yeah. <laughs> the idea anyway, of filling it with drunk teenagers is hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, anyway, hobo, I, ride a hobo. Uh, all this, all this to say is that this plot is completely realistic to me. <laughs> yep. 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 <sighs> I find it interesting that this, um, this, show takes me on the ride of cheering for um the angry Karen Cabal. Yeah. Like, oh, so where's Tony? <laughs> yeah, where is Tony? I maybe Tony's at real prom. Tony didn't get No, Tony got banned too. <sighs> yeah. This code on Cheryl, very good. Right on Cheryl. I am pleased. Despite all issues of equity and balance, I am pleased that Cheryl Blossom is the one ensemble member who gets properly treated like a main character. Hmm. Especially now that she is um, an angry lipstick lesbian gang leader mafia queen, Maple Syrup Dawn. Into it. This is the strangest sequence. Yep. Yep. I, I Marisol Nichols, Majin Amick, just I I feel like I see I'm just seeing these good, nice actor people bleed out onto the characters for an episode. This is so strange. This whole episode is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. There's a weird weird rebalancing. I don't know. There's a weird rebalancing of all of the stakes that you that have been established for the last two or three years involving the parents. Oh my god, Cheryl's wearing Jimmy Choo's, I just realized. Ha! <laughs> of course. Huh. Also, I love the smirk from Jughead, like, ugh, F's cough, it's Gerald. 
I'm a lit nerd. I love that. I feel the same way about F. Scott Fitzgerald, man. It's cool. Betty's snap reaction is spectacular. I'm I am leaning into your theory of what's this episode telling us about Betty. Yeah. <laughs> because she I mean, is ready obvious... to crack down. Yeah, I mean the obvious um culprit for these uh mm-hmm. um videos. For these videos is Charles. Yeah. Also, he knows everything, and he has access to all the equipment. Also, Charles would 100% have access to drafts of Jughead's story. Yeah. Like, who would know about Jughead's admissions short story piece? Betty and people in his household, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. As far as going a little too far with the intimate secret knowledge. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So why does Mr. Honey choose to do like what is this about? If he's so great. Yeah. Why does he Is this some sort of parable about like sometimes people are complicated but they're just taking care of you kids cuz I don't care about that story. No, that's not a good lesson. <laughs> Trust the false evidence given by the authority figures is not a lesson I care for. No need. <sighs> I love this old television, though. This is a fabulous little prop. Yes. Yes. Agreed. The set deck is glorious. Um, yeah, this, this feels snakey to me. He is, he is clearly desperate to win this, this prom out at any cost. But why? Like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in real world. You know, an educator who saw mass murder rip through Riverdale's junior prom and then thinks, oh, God, we need to not do that again. You know, there's logic to be had. I don't think that's the logic he's bringing here. No, indeed. I I don't know. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think the problem I'm having with this episode is I'm just not... I, I don't need to be told everything. I don't want to be spoon-fed. Mm-hmm. But I want just a little sprinkle, a little soupçon of what Mr. Honey's motives are. I feel like... Just it, like a little, little mm-hmm. mm, you know. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, some, some some dropped clues for us. Some sprinkles in the forest floor. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm being pulled in several conflicting directions. Between the last few episodes and this episode. And um, going back to the the question of season formula and the off-season formula, um, I'm I'm very used to having a juicy open question set in front of me to ruminate on. It's by both Mm -hmm. this show and by this genre of TV of the last decade. Um, And so I, I, I... even knowing it's not written to be that like that, I'm still looking for it in this episode of what's what am I what am I meant to chew on satisfactorily all summer? And that's just not I don't know if that's here. I might have to evaluate this yeah. differently. Um, this is a strange sequence, but also I love that they name the plot of the first season with Archie in the room glancing at them like, I've been through that. <laughs> Someone had sex with a student and got run out of town. Yep. I know something about that. 
Yes. What, what is Reggie? Like, this is, like, ugh. It's an episode with fabulous, subtle self-awareness across the board. <sighs> oh, I don't know what's going on here. Charles Melton gets to chew the scenes. That's what this episode is. Well, that's what I'll take away. Yeah. Yay, Reggie. Good acting here time. from Charles Melton. He doesn't have, like, a ton of lines to work with, and he's getting the point across. Yeah. Ooh, now I really want Chinese food. So, mm-hmm. unless Mr. Honey, unless the Mr. Honey being a nice guy is the cover mm. for Mr. Honey being a total creep, that that makes sense. Right. This is this being the misdirect episode would totally make sense. Yeah. What is on Betty's skirt, and are there teddy bears on Mr. Honey's tie? These are the things I need to know. <laughs> it just, it looks just like a print pattern to me. Yeah, I think it's just a cat print or something. Hmm. Nothing so cute mm. and personable. I like that turtleneck on Betty, though. There's, there's something about the completely composed power turtleneck and the, po <laughs> and the pose that Betty's got going on that's, that, like... Yeah, that has we a need, authority vibe. We need to talk about the phrase power turtleneck for just a sec. <laughs> Tell me the attributes of the power turtleneck. Um, solid color. Mm. Solid knit, so not terribly textured. Usually darker, mm -hmm. cooler tone. Um, I don't know. There's something about... I'm having like... Like, Sterling Archer, Bruce Wayne vibes from Betty right now. That's what this turtleneck is doing for me. It is, gotcha. it is making her look ready to sneak into a compound, shoot some mo mooks, and look fabulous doing it to me. I love it. The power Poor turtleneck. Reggie. Uh, I wonder how Reggie would feel about being murdered in Jughead's story. Wonder uh, if Reggie great. got to read that. Also, again, Cheryl's not going to be the one breaking here. Cheryl will be immediately realizing what happened and who she needs to kill first. This uh, yeah, I love how Jughead is the like the one in power, <laughs> and Veronica's the moral voice. What? <laughs> yep, this is totally Jughead's wanky writing, and like I love Jughead, but the limited perspective of a single teenage dude writing his friends. This amuses me. Uh, the folly of everyone. Making his girlfriend into the hard-ass villain in the making is fabulous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is this yeah. is a weird and hilarious dynamic. And that's that's probably part of what's so unsettling, is we've got this, this full fiction dynamic going on in all episode as well. Throwing us off. Yeah. And and really tweaking the vibe with with fake outs. But like really it it I I believe this would play out battle royale style. I believe that at first word of Reggie's death, Cheryl is retreating into the woods with her archery kit and Tony. 
And <laughs> she will be the final boss for the survivor, and they will not defeat her. Yeah. Conspicuous absence of Tony in this episode. Yep. I can only guess she wasn't available. I think she might be Toronto-based sometimes. So there well, may uh, be... Her, her hubby works is a... Is a he, actually, fun fact I learned from my father, uh-huh. uh, through, has, is the person who has thrown the fastest fastball. Dang. In the history of baseball, yes. He, he's he's um, a for real sportsy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, he plays for the Chicago White Sox, so she's probably based out of Chicago now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, given the ambiguity of filming time, I could see her just not being available to travel for this episode. Mm-hmm. It's entirely possible. That's, um, I know that's a major point, actually, for up for discussion um, in the Vancouver film industry um, in considering what a reopened film industry can look like. Um, there, It is being discussed, though it's still very uh, up in the air. Uh, we might see an interesting reduction of close physical contact between performers on screen uh, in mm. the next year's season. Um, we might see significant changes like no more guest actors from L.A. Um L.A. actors who currently commute to work in Vancouver back and forth quite frequently yeah. and normatively, like, that is built in, paid for by their contract, by the company. That's not a decision these actors are selfishly making, but how the filming works. Um, we may not be ferrying stars back and forth on the weekly in the same way uh, next year. Yeah. Like, I know when um, the premier was talking about film, TV and film production reopening, I was like, so are we opening the border? Mm-hmm, <laughs> What's that mm-hmm. going to look like? Um, I just need to note that there is a, a honeybee in uh, Mr. Honey's Things, <laughs> uh, like a paperweight or a thing that bobbles that is a bee. Yeah. Also, we just got a shot of Jason over everyone's shoulder in the case Lovely. Sort of odd. Yep. Right there. See? There's yep. Jason. Yep. Anyway, yeah, good you make a really there. good point. Like this this whole show if they want to you know, speed up their film schedule are probably going to have to shoot somewhere else depending on what happens. Now, interestingly, we also knew there were changes in casting coming up next season. Like we were expecting Skeeter Rich and Marisol Nichols to step out of regular positions in the show. Um we, like we knew there were big plans for three episodes from now changing. Yeah. Um, and how they're going to choose to approach that, uh, whether they will change the arc, whether they will put the season break, were the narrative break in a new place in the season, um, what they choose to do with their story is going to be very interesting to watch play out under, um, under some very unpredictable restrictions and limitations. Yeah. That said, I think yeah. um, I I want to embrace the um, creative potential in in that um, that I think a lot of great creative work happens with restrictions um, and and a lot of creative creative television will likely come from whatever has to be filmed around and worked around. Um, there's also going to be a lot of messy 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 slop. And I am here mm-hmm. for that, too. I am here for seeing the train wrecks and the great victories that will come from this necessity creatively. Oh, Miss Bell. Um, yeah, and then this scene is so... Dissonant? Yeah. 
I so like. So did Honey? Did Honey get her to like do this? Like, what's the? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. She might just be a true believer, who doesn't see him creeping in the Scarlet Room video store. Like it is possible. He might be the most effective principal she's ever worked for, and also a creeper jerk. Two things can be true. Two and things it, are so often true in this life. It sounds like he did do a lot of good stuff. Like this Jughead letter seems like good intentioned. He might still be snaping it. Oh, <laughs> it's true. He might be snaping it. Mm-hmm. Good intentions do not good actions make. Yeah. Kid hairline's looking a little fresh dyed to this shot. Oh, I missed it. Um, great snack. Love the snack Betty's making. Yeah. Nice vintage um, label on that peanut butter. Jar- Very fun. Jarring pivot completely away from Barchi. Yes. That. Um. I. That's coming back though. It's got to be coming back. Oh yeah. That. That was deep feels. <laughs> If they finish the season. Also, I love that um, Jughead's um, response to this letter is to go change his story. <laughs> yep. And it's just odd. It, it has the quality of actually we're in a universe where Jughead and Sabrina know each other. And Sabrina just said, oh, shoot, to, like, make that other timeline better, you need to go change your story because you have the power to control another world. You know what I mean? Like, it's that... Yep. It's that level of weird response. I don't get it. Of stakes. Of, I have to... Yep, yep. That this is his apology reaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. That this means Um, anything to anyone but him. This is one of these episodes where, like, I love this show. Like, I have binge-watched this show four or five mm-hmm. times now. I've seen every single episode several times. Mm-hmm. But this is one of these episodes where I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? This is one of these episodes where the characters act like real dumb teenagers, and I just have to embrace that as the real dumb teenagers they are portraying. I guess so. Like... Some of this, some of this, if I, if I think this seems like some stupid stuff I'd come up with when I was 16, I can, I can, I can make just a hint more sense of it. Yeah. Like, kids are brilliant, but kids are also prone to ridiculous concepts and constructs and ideas. Like, too creative is a concept of youth. And it's great. But... Sometimes we spiral into some real weird thoughts. Yeah, adolescence is a strange time, man. I'm not saying adulthood is normal. Um, It's just that adolescent brains are a special type of brain to be experiencing. Yeah, all the practice adulting and test run adulting and train adulting and very few instructions. Very few clear instructions on any of it. Yeah, totally. So, weird thing, um, the costumes on these characters have been strangely both consistent 
Mm. and inconsistent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, Betty's worn the same skirt for several scenes in the episode, but changed her shirt, which normally they give her a full new outfit. There's just been, like, weird stuff in this episode. Yep. Um, I... Yeah. I, I'm not going to look too deep into the costume choices because yeah. I I bet some of this footage was a little bit scavenged. Like, yes. Like, I, I, I imagine this wasn't an ideal shotless set arrangement, uh, and that may have impacted costuming. Um, just knowing that they were on the edge of a shutdown. Um but you may be right. I think that that does that would stand out in any regular ver- iteration of this show. Um, yeah. So much self awareness of past ridiculousness is. This is where Veronica's mom murdered the sheriff. Yeah. Okay. So, first thoughts in my head: Who have we seen drinking these beers? Who have we seen with Chinese takeaway? Who have we seen with X Y Z? This feels like. A lot of directing toward Charles and Chick, but also maybe not. I don't know what's going on here. Oh, that's like I'm like yeah. I'm not even sure what the options are. That's what I'm finding frustrating. I'm not frustrated that I don't know the answer because it's a plot in a show. I'm yeah. frustrated that I'm I have no clues. Right. At least at least give us some multiple choice sections before we have the open essay question. Yeah. Like, is this a whole, like, is this whole show about Betty and Jughead just making stuff up for each other to, to have mysteries about, like, at (laughs) at this point, that, that, even that wouldn't surprise me. It just seems Mm. like strange, Mm. strange, strange times. I, I feel like, so what they, what they've taught us and told us this, this season is that Characters are allowed to have secrets from us, the audience. The Betty and Jughead big twist. But we will see it coming. Nah. That's a, that's a takeaway take I'm, I'm choosing to find in all of this. That we, we haven't been blatantly lied to by our prospective characters as such. Uh, except this very clear instance of misdirect that played out very satisfyingly, I think, ultimately. That they clearly knew what they were doing, and it was a classic whodunit. But, yeah. This escalation into videos of the private story, and also there's like seven people involved with this now? Yeah, who are all these people? Yep. That's that's something I didn't consider the first time through. They did a choreographed murder scene with head tilts. Said at least six people. It's the River Vixens. No, I'm making that up. I don't. I don't believe that. <laughs> so there we have it. That's um, yeah. that's a wild end note, gang, for this season. That there we have it. <laughs> yeah. Again. Again. Like I'm not. I'm not. Again. I love this show, but I don't. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's obvious that this isn't the the narrative beat anyone would have chosen in this plot to pause on. Um and I will be 
deeply curious for a long time what what shifts may or may not have happened through the processing pipeline. But um, taking it as it is, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm not probably going to mull on much through the summer. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're, I feel like there's a risk that we'll be picking up a very stale mystery in the fall. And I'm curious how they're going to reinvigorate it and bring us back into it reintroduce the story as the start of a season um if they will do that at all or if we're going to see a, a, a summer wrap-up perhaps that may yeah, very or if well the be show's the gonna tank because they have to shoot in la now <laughs> <laughs> i mean is it all that more much more expensive to shoot in la i don't know that the um like the amount on a uh um, the contract is the same as the fact that it's all in American dollars. Mm-hmm. You can just buy mm-hmm. more. You, there is literally more bang for your buck in Canada because the American dollar is worth more. Right. But who knows what's going to economy in the next few months? Yeah. I sure don't. I don't either. Let's not go down that street. Yeah. That road. Or let's not. Whatever that, whatever that is that we're not doing, let's not do it. We're going to embrace the joy that is summer, whenever it has exactly. appeared to us. However, it has appeared to us. Um, that's a season, Chloe. That's a, that's that's yeah. a Riverdale gang season, technically. Yeah, um, we are going to probably do some episodes over the summer. Um, yeah. So don't disappear entirely. Yes. Um, I love this show. It has its moments where I'm like, why am I doing this? But I love this show. Um, And I love these characters. And it's a weird time. And we love all of you who keep listening to us week after week. We appreciate you. Please come back. Yes. Uh, Keep an eye out on your feeds for uh, the sprinkling of content we hope to gather for you over the summer season. Um, I doubt we'll be doing like a full watch-along season, but as we've done in the past, um, we might be able to uh, get a couple of interviews together, a couple of special episodes, maybe a Riverdale game uh, or something to that effect. Um, Yeah, we'll let you know, and we'll see you soon, I hope. Mm -hmm. I plan. I intend. I guess that's all up to me and Chloe, huh? I don't hope for anything. I'm going to just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all of you stay well out there. Um, stay safe. Um, remember that recovery justice is going to be a conversation that we're all having in the coming months. Yeah. And stay well. Stay happy. As happy as you can under the circumstances. See you soon. Bye, Riverdale gang.